Welcome to the podcast for St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School Sherman Center that's in Random Lake, Wisconsin, north of Milwaukee and south of Sheboygan. We're pleased to share with you recent sermons and Bible classes from our congregation. We welcome you to join us for Divine Service Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have Bible classes currently offered at 8.15 a.m. on Sunday. Join us to receive the Lord's Word and His gifts. So, um, I think what, I'm going to say it later in the sermon, but I think one of the things that's helpful, by the way, we're not doing John today, if you didn't already catch that. Um, I thought we should take just a little break and basically prepare you uh, because most of you are you know, going to be in contact with other people in some way um, to prepare you to respond in a way that's actually helpful for faith. All right? And I think that's from almost everything I've read, there's, even amongst pastors, um, there's a lot of conversation about the practical concerns, uh, but not a lot of actual reflection on what God has already said to us and the words of comfort that he gives, all right? So um, that's where we're, really where we should go. And, you know, based off of attendance here, I expect later with church, um, maybe some folks think it's all overblown and they'll come to church anyway, um, but I think more often, or more, more the case will likely be folks need to hear the word of, um, words of comfort from the Lord in a time like this. So the last places um, to close, unless, even if mandated by the state, by the way, is is the church. That isn't to say that you should be idiots and start sneezing on one another or something. Right? You know, so keep your, what did I call it? Social distance, right? Six feet? Yeah. I'd show you, I, I warned the kids this. Ann said, haven't you seen one of those videos where they do your sneeze in slow motion? You can see everywhere it goes. So, um, so the text up on the screen is not the text we're actually going to look at. But what I did, I mean, we can't do all of it. This is meant to be for your devotion. I printed extra copies, so um, those who come later can take advantage of it. This is a, it's a collation of, of a number of resources. Uh, Times of pestilence isn't something that's in our hymnal. <laughs> right? And by pestilence, we mean something that's actually killing lots of people. Um, whether, whether the SARS-CoV-2 virus and its subsequent disease called COVID-19, whether that has epidemic-level you know, uh, results as far as death goes remains to be seen. The conservative figures are, you know, 0.2, of those who contract the virus. Um, and then the more, you know, I think panicked responses are something more like 3%. Because 3% in the U.S. is, I mean, that's more than 600,000. So, I mean, that's substantial, right? By the way, um, Say, say it were like 1.5% of people who contract the virus die. That's still less people than die every day from abortion. Just to put things into perspective. So we have legalized murder in our country. Um, and we kill more people every day than this virus will, likely. So, just to put things into perspective. We don't think of that as pestilence, but... Yeah. All right, so, um, so it's a combination of three resources, actually, that I put together, plus some other things. Um, so Times of Pestilence, which that was released by the, the Synod this week, 
Um, it's pulling from an old resource from Brandenburg in 1536, okay? <laughs> which is, they had the Black Death, so they knew all about it. Um, also, um, times of national calamity or, or disaster, and that's been in every one of our English hymnals. Uh, and then also, um, what's the other one that I pulled from? Hmm. I don't know, another time of like catastrophe or something. All right, so um, there's a lot of resources and they're, they're going to hit on a couple of different points. Let's uh, I'll begin with the, uh, the kind of summary here. The Lord once sent a pestilence on Israel, but David, the Lord's anointed, bore the guilt of sin and offered the sacrifice that, quote, stayed the hand of the Lord's avenging angel, 2 Samuel 24. So much more has Christ, our Savior, borne the wrath of God against our sin and offered himself as the atoning sacrifice that spares us. Quote, with his wounds we are healed, Isaiah 53. So we boldly beseech the Lord's mercy upon us for Christ's sake. Quote, death reigns over all of Adam's children in this world because of sin. Yet, quote, through our Lord Jesus Christ comes the gift of righteousness that brings eternal life, Romans 5. Let the church implore God's mercy and repentance and faith for the sake of Christ, whose hand alone can heal every disease and in whom is salvation, life, and resurrection from the dead. All right. So, I mean, if you were going to summarize that in one phrase, I would say it is that all sickness, disease, suffering, pain are calls to repentance, to believe and trust in Christ for the, for the sake of forgiveness of sins. Because where there is forgiveness of sins, there is life and salvation. And by life we mean, hmm, maybe life now, but certainly life to come, all right? And um, we talked about this on Thursday, right? That, you know, at 9-11 at there was a you know, big boom of church attendance. Um, this time I don't know that we'll see that because we have six feet. Um, she's already showing symptoms. The, this is a problem of Gen X, my generation, is that we tend to be morbid and have gallows humor, so just, just pardon it if it sounds a little callous. I mean, it's the only way, you gotta laugh a little bit. If you don't laugh, you're just, yeah, you're already dead at that point. All right, so, um, no, for the sake of life and salvation. Um, where was I going? And I got distracted by your cough. Hmm. 9-11 in churches, thank you. Yes. Yeah, it was about two months, but this time you actually have public health orders from, you know, even our own county, but also the state and, and national level, you know, saying avoid social gatherings, which um, uh, Anne was, was remarking that one of her Facebook friends, not somebody she knows personally, but somebody she knows um, through um, another channel, but but regardless, saying that, you know, how can you claim to be pro-life and then go to church and be with other people because you're just going to get everybody sick. Um, so I wrote, I wrote to Don this morning. Um, I, I sent two articles. One is, was largely practical from a Christian website, and the other one was largely theological also from, actually from a non-Christian website, but it was written by a Christian. And we have to hold these things in tension. It's called the... Uh, doctrine of the two kingdoms. But there's the kingdom of this world and there's the kingdom uh, of Christ, right? And the kingdom of Christ is not ruled uh, by reason or strength. It is ruled by God's word, by Christ's own word, okay? 
And then, but then the kingdom of this world is, is actually given to our reason and our strength, right? So we, we make the most with what we have and what we know. So science belongs in this world. So we have to hold those things in tension. So the problem is that science isn't actually, just like medicine, um, it's not fact or law, it's more best guess, theory, right? So I listened, because this is what Anne says I do, is I, I over-research things and then I take a nap. <laughs> she told me that this morning. And apparently this is a known psychological profile, right? These overthinkers, and then, then you just take a nap because you don't want to deal with it. So I, I listened to a couple actual you know, authorities yesterday. One was from John Hopkins, and their disease, you know, pestilence, plague, whatever, people. Another was, uh, do you remember where he was from? Because you listened to. The other interview, National Center for at some University of Minnesota. Okay. The one guy says 3% are going to die, 480, minimum 40, or on, he was saying 480,000 die. So that's not 3%, it's like 1% one, one, one or something. And the other guy's like, yeah, it's probably going to be like half that. So just a little bit worse than a common cold or common flu. Or the worst flu season we had was 2017, 2018, and 80,000 died that year from the flu. Right? And this season has been pretty bad, especially for children. All right, so you're like, now who do you listen to? Because the data is constantly flowing, new studies are happening coming out of China, places where there's more cases, Korea, South Korea, um, Germany. But right now, you, you can only, it's best guess, right? Best guess. But here's the thing with the kingdom of Christ, the kingdom of this world, what do we have? We have truth, not theory, not ideas, not guesses. We have truth. We have Christ's own word. We have the one who made the heavens and the earth, the one who governs all things, telling us what is concrete and real. Okay? And uh, that's very different. So. So we have, for example, I mean, this is going to be hard to hear. In Christ's own word, it says, do not forsake the gathering together, as some have done. That is, don't stop gathering together to hear my word. And he, and he, there's no escape clause on it. Well, unless there's an epidemic or pandemic. You, you just think about the way that in Germany and England, both, okay, they're bombing each other during World War II. And they're all going to, all the faithful Christians in both countries, regardless of their national politics, are going to church while they're being bombed around them. There's bombs falling and they're in church hearing God's word. Okay? Um, so, anyway. I'm not saying it's an easy, you know, I leave it really to the, to the conscience of our people. Right? I can't mandate that you come to church. I'm also not going to tell you not to come to church. Because that would be to forsake God's word too. Okay. Back, by the way, in 1918, most churches did cancel for or four weeks, but that's another story. They didn't, well, anyway, let's not talk science. Let's talk God's Word, because it's Bible study. Let's um, actually, let's say the intro at there. Now, this is an interesting intro, because it has antiphons from 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles. All right, so let's say it responsibly. I'll do the first half, and then you respond. Remember, O Lord, your covenant. And Stay your hand that the land may not become desolate. Lest you destroy every living soul. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. You 
O Lord God of hosts, Let your hand be on the man of your right hand. The son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Remember, O Lord, your covenant. Stay your hand, that the land may not become desolate. All right, stay on the front side of the page. Don't turn the page yet. Um, a couple things to talk about here, um, but maybe you caught it. Um, there's actually two individuals mentioned in the way that the that this intro has been set. You have the the what do you call it in the in the first part? The smiting angel, right? Now who's that? This is the angel whom the Lord sends to bring plague and de- desolation, right? Um, where's, where's the good time where this angel shows up, or obvious time where this angel shows up? What? Yeah, the, the plagues, especially the angel of death at the end, right? But there's, there's mentions of other angels in there, right? So the angel that comes to bring sickness, plague, and death, and that's the Lord's messenger, which that makes us really uncomfortable, doesn't it? That he would allow or he would send an angel to bring... Um, you know, the death of the firstborn to all of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to Egypt who have hardened their hearts to the Lord's word, spoken by Moses. We don't like it, right? But there's another character mentioned here in the story, uh, or in the, in, by quoting Psalm 80. And who's that? Well, Joseph is mentioned, right? The shepherd of Israel, right? And what else is he called in here? God of hosts. Well, that's the Lord, right? Which you could think of the Father, but we'll keep going. Next, next verse. Yeah, the Son of Man, which we've talked about from Daniel 7 in John's Gospel, but also the man of your right hand. Right? So who, who sets aside, or, or for what, re, or what purpose does the smiting angel, uh, is the smiting angel you know, told to stop? because of the shepherd of Israel, right? Because of the man of, of God's right hand, right? Who sits at Christ, at God's right hand? I just gave it away. The Lord, right? The son of man who comes to save his people from their sins, right? So, I mean, these, this is, when I was talking about this tension between the world and, our, and, and, and the kingdom of Christ, that's the tension right there. But who rules? Who's, which message over, you know, can you throw back in God's face, if you like, which is what this is doing, to say, stop, stop what is happening to us for the sake of, of me? Because of who I am? No, because of the shepherd, because of Christ. Yeah. Restore us, that we may be saved. Right? Now, this is, a, this, is how, this is how you pray. You don't pray saying, well, as some would do, Jehovah's Witnesses, and others who are like faith healing. You've heard of faith healing, right? By the way, the faith healers told their, their people to stay home. I saw this. One of these churches where you go to, to have, be prayed over so that you can be healed, they said, don't come because we're too large of a gathering. Any time the faith healers should be working, 
As, that is, if it actually, yeah, anyway, another story, right? Um, what are we talking about healing? Oh, I got lost by my faith healing comment. Prayer. Prayer, yes. Hear your people's prayers. Oh, yes, the way that we pray is we, we pray not saying that what we're experiencing is some kind of figment of our imagination or it's not real or it's not, or not even a real enemy. I mean, is it the, this virus in particular, and every virus, every coronavirus, there's four of them that we receive every year, the common cold, flu, other things. All right, flu's a different, but four different major coronaviruses they've been tracking for years. Well, I'm looking at this fly on the floor who the Lord sent for me to smite. There we go. All right, it's been smitten. <laughs> Is it a real enemy? Absolutely. Can it bring death and destruction? Sure. Right? So we don't hide that. And then, but we, the point is, is that we, we call it what it is, right? And, and we ask God to do what God has promised to do. This is what Luther calls being a theologian of the cross, which doesn't, doesn't ignore reality, but it call, he says, one of his theses at Heidelberg was, it calls a thing what it is. Right? We've talked about this in regards to death, right? That we don't, like... You don't sugarcoat it and say, well, so-and-so has passed away or they sprouted angel wings and now they're playing golf with whatever famous dead golfer you're thinking of. I don't play golf. But no, we call it what it is, suffering and death. But we also call it what God has called it, which is the, one of Luther's other theses. Yes, we call a thing what it is, but we also speak God's word, a promise to it, right? And that the dead will see the resurrection on the last day. Confident and sure, right? Does this make sense? So that's what, that's what this intro was trying to do, and I thought it was kind of clever using um, 2 Samuel and 1 Chronicles and putting that in opposition to Psalm 80. All right, now you can turn the page. I gave you a number of psalms. Sometimes I, I, they, either the resource I pulled from had an antiphon, other times I assigned an antiphon. Now, antiphon is, we, we do this in church sometimes, not always, where we repeat a verse at the beginning and the end. This is really lovely to do when you have a choir um, or a pastor who wants to be a choir, which that, that's what I had, we had in uh, Fort Wayne, actually. They, the choir didn't regularly sing, but the pastor would, he would sing like a choral antiphon. Anyway, um, the antiphon is usually meant, to, it, it's antiphone, so it's to be sung against the beginning and the end of the song. That's what it means. So sometimes that's a kind of a theme theme psalm. Let's actually look at maybe one or two of these. So Psalm 5. All right. And again, the idea here, what we're trying to do is hear from God's word, or what we ought to do, I should say, is hear from God's word what he actually would have us pray in the midst of suffering, distress, calamity, pestilence. I love that word, pestilence, because it makes it sound churchy. Um, I guess epidemic is what I should have said, but whatever. All right, so this is the choir master. For the flutes! Do we have any flutes? Oh, that's too bad. It'd be nice to have this with flutes. All right, somebody like to read? I'll try to scroll fast enough. You hear through my words, O Lord, consider my growth, give attention to the sound of my cry. I'm king my God, for to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice, in the morning I prepare a sacrifice for you and 
For you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. But I, uh, through the abundance of your steadfast love, will enter your house. I will bow down toward your holy temple in the fear of you. Lead me, O Lord, in righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. All right, let me scroll here. There you go. There is no truth in their mouth. Their inmost self is destruction. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter their tongue. Make them bear their guilt, O God. Let them fall by their own counsels. Because of the abundance of their transgressions, cast them out, for they rebel against you. But let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy, and spread your protection over them. That those who love your name may exalt in you, for you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Okay. Uh, there was a little statement in there that Jesus actually attaches to very particular people. And it's right here. Their throat is an open grave. They flatter with their tongue. Who, is, who did Jesus apply that to? Best guess? Yeah, to the Pharisees. Right? So what we have here is we have two groups of people, but we also have two kinds of word. Right? Um, well, maybe three kinds. But at least two kinds of word from God. We have God's law and his gospel. Right? His judgment against sin and then the forgiveness of sins. And, the, and these, those who who are in rebellion to God, you notice what they don't do. And why was this attached to the Pharisees? Because they did not forgive sins. That was their one, you had one job, and they failed. <laughs> okay? They, they helped, I mean, obvious example now, and as we get close to Passion Tide, is Judas, when he goes to be forgiven, and they refuse to forgive him. Right? They don't, they won't, he throws the money down, but they won't even, they won't even take the money back. They end up taking it back, but yeah. You get the idea, right? So you have God's law, and it's God's law was here at the beginning. Sorry for scrolling so fast. Um, you are not a God who delights in wickedness. Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. Now, I said at the beginning um, that anytime you experience great suffering or um, in this time, you know, anxiety and, and great concern as a, as a nation, as a world. Um, my cousin who lives in France, I think I mentioned last week, I mean, she's totally in lockdown now. They closed everything. Um, I don't remember how many cases. What did, I looked it up this morning. I think it's 3,000 cases, maybe? Yeah. Um, but again, a call to repentance is what's going on is to say, okay, who are we trusting in? Do we trust in earthly rulers? Do we trust in medical professionals? Yes, we do, but for our body, not for our life, not for our soul, not for eternity, you see? And, and what happens with the Pharisees is they trust in themselves and they tell other people to trust in them and not in the Lord, right? And so it's a call of repentance to say, wait a minute, where am I putting my fear, hope, and love? Is it in God alone? Am I praying to him for mercy? Or am I praying to... <laughs> I don't know, the Centers for Disease Control for Mercy, right? Old Centers of Disease Control, create a vaccine that I may be saved. I mean, that's what the prayer would sound like, right? Do we want them to come up with some treatments and antivirals? And, sure, of course. But who, who alone is going to give them that? The Lord, right? Through wisdom and strength that he grants. 
So you say, oh Lord, you know, if it be your will, grant wisdom to, to our medical professionals that they may um, undiscover treatments that, that will uh, you know, provide healing and comfort to your people. Right? But give it to the Lord. And the, the problem with the Pharisees were mentioned in there, of course, is that they say trust in us, all right? They flatter. Their throat is an open tomb. All right, so that that's one's pretty notable. Ooh, that was interesting. Was that somebody's phone? Oh, okay, good. It's like I never, I don't remember making a whistling or you know a ringing sound like that. Um, Psalm six is really great, but we're not going to go there. Uh, this week, I posted this on Facebook yesterday, but um, I actually would take a break periodically from all the chaos to. Uh, uh, to edit some psalms for Concordia Publishing House. They have a new volume of psalms coming out, uh, psalm settings, I should say, that go with the new children's hymnal that they're releasing this summer. And one of the psalms is Psalm 46, and I found it to be great comfort, so let's look at it. Psalm 46. And, yeah, if you've got a Bible, you can go there. <clears throat> the, to the choir master, the sons of Korah. Do you know about Korah? Anybody tell me what they know about Korah? Okay. Look it up on your own. <laughs> According to Alwamoth, who is that? Probably a musical or liturgical tomb. Oh, so this might be the name of the tomb. You see this often. According to, it means just to sing it to the tomb named Alamoth. Maybe. We don't know. We don't have the tunes anymore. All right, let's actually read this. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved to the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and roam, though the mountains tumble at its tongue. There is a river whose streams are black, the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, she shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, but the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. All right. Now, the context isn't exactly a pestilence, right? But it's a different kind of um, anxiety and worry. And this is over what? It, yeah, over war, you know, the attack of the nations. Uh, which is, like I said, I mean, war is a little bit different because um, unless it's a your enemy is rarely inhuman. I say rarely because I think maybe we can think of a few enemies that have seemed to have lost their humanity, right? I mean, when you cut up people and put them in the freezer, that's, I don't know what's left, right? Um, although that person that I have in mind actually repented and believed the gospel before he died, which is incredible, right? That the Lord could restore faith in someone like that. Um, but enemies, um, and again, a, a virus is kind of an impersonal enemy. It, it, it plays no favorites. Well, it does, kind of, but that's just because of the way your body responds. But 
You know, it's not going to say, well, I'm going to infect this person, but not that person, because this one's white and that one's white. No. It doesn't play favorites that way. But still, to be attacked or to be under warfare, um, I suppose it feels that way, and especially this, this bit. I mean, the nations aren't raging, but they're certainly in turmoil, right? Yeah. When the kingdoms are tottering, you know, you have, I saw multiple on both sides of, of the aisle, so to speak, accusing of it being like a political machination from Mr. Trump, but then also the Democrats saying, how can we have four more years of a president like this? And you're like, is this really the appropriate? I mean, nobody, nobody, none of our either Democrat or Republican, Republican presidents have put anything in place. You know, like since SARS was under the Obama presidency, the response to SARS, which didn't affect us that much, I think we had 18,000 people die from SARS in the US, if I remember the number. Not that many, I mean, what was the response? Nothing appropriate. Yeah. You know, if you want to be really worried, think about like an, I heard this yesterday, how about an avian flu that actually can be easily transmitted from person to person that has a 60% mortality rate? Okay. So maybe this is a little bit of a wake up call, you know, take some little bit more precautions <laughs> and be ready for such a thing. And um, Taiwan in particular, you can read about this. Taiwan, because they had heavy, um, they were heavily affected by, by, by SARS-1, the first SARS virus. This is the second one. Um, you know, they, both their incident rate and also their death toll is, is, is actually much lower than you expect being right next to China. Because they actually mandated, they, they, they debriefed after SARS and they said, what did we do wrong? What can we do better? They put things in place and they spend money, like, like we spend on defense, national defense, they spent on medical defense, basically. That's, a, that's an appropriate response. But anyway, warfare and the kingdoms. Yeah, it's like the kingdoms are tottering. It's like it's an election year. It's not a great time. Um, it's also spring break. Not, you know, I think that's the reason for school closures more than anything is all these kids were going to travel and now they're being told to stay home, uh, which is the right answer uh, rather than traveling. But this idea that it's even the earth that's attacking, right, with the waters roaring and foaming and the mountains trembling. Mountains being moved in the heart of the sea. You know, that's that volcanic activity. Anybody seen or been near volcano? Active volcano? You went to Hawaii or something? Yeah, okay. It's, I mean, even just from video, I haven't seen it in person. It's like, this, this is not something you can control. Right? Yeah, yeah. That's it. And if it comes for your house, like it did, when was, where was that? Was that on Maui last year? Where they took, took out that whole neighborhood? Because something became more active. It was, it was on the Big Island? Okay. All right. Anyway. I'd like to see one in person. But it's kind of like saying, I'm going to climb this mountain, and I hope it doesn't kill me, you know? <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's some more of that gallows humor. Sorry. Really? like live on a tightrope or something? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's one thing to kind of, you know, defy nature, but it's another thing to recognize, you know, I was listening to an interview with this guy who surfs big waves, you know, like 40, 50 foot plus waves. And some of these places, you know, with shallow reefs underneath and everything. I mean, it's, it's like, I appreciate the thrill of it, but I like to, live for the sake of my family and <laughs> for those I serve, okay? 
All right, so there's Psalm, that, that's Psalm 46. And you can do this. In a way, it can be, right? Because we had that with, um, you know, two weeks ago on Sunday where the devil actually tells, you know, Lord, you know, throw yourself down because didn't he promise in the psalm that, you know, he will send his angels to, to watch over you and, and guard you lest your foot strike the stone, right? And, like, and then Jesus does respond, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test, right? So on one hand, uh, we can live like we're baptized. We are set free from fear of sin, death, and devil, okay? So we're baptized. And things cannot um, hurt, hurt or harm us, at least not eternally, right? And they might hurt and harm us now, but what is that? What is the world to me with all its vaunted pleasures, as the hymn goes on the list, right? Although, on the same token, it's like, well, we have, we have a thing called vocation. You know, our God, God has placed us into stations and vocations in our life where, where he's called us to serve, right? And if we, if we neglect the life we've been given, so that we can no longer serve. I do think it's an insult to God. At least that, right? So, you know, and when he's done with you, he's going to bring an end to your life whether you like that or not, right? When, that's, when that time of service is over, when you can no longer serve, it will be brought to an end. I'm thinking of my, my parents' uh, senior pastor. There's someone back there. Um, senior pastor who had a, just a minor stroke but lost vision in both eyes and had to basically retire overnight because he, he's not going to get his vision back. You know, it, it's, it can be like that. And you say, was that the Lord's doing? Actually, it was. He said, your time's done. And he allowed that to befall him. Now, is it the Lord's doing that his faith would be destroyed and he'd no longer trust in God because he can't be pastor anymore? No. Right? Maybe he's now... Um, called to another vocation or, or actually be served rather than be the one that's serving as pastor, right? That kind of thing. All right. Uh, should we do... How are we doing on time? I don't even know what time it is. Oh, it's getting... Okay, let's look at some of the collects. So I gave you a few of these. Um, but the first one is, is probably the most pertinent. Um, the second one has to do with that idea of repentance that we've talked about. Um, the third one is about rescue. And then the fourth one... Um, is about hearing our prayers for, for mercy, especially as we suffer from sin. But the first one, uh, let's pray it together. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, give us grace to trust you during this time of illness and distress. In mercy, put an end to all epidemic that afflicts us. Grant relief to those who suffer and comfort to all who mourn. Sustain all medical personnel in their labors and cause your people ever to serve you in righteousness and holiness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Oh, that's right. You can go downstairs and come up. <laughs> I didn't see anybody go back there. All right. So, um, in mercy put an end. So that, I mean, that's that direct language we were talking about. You hold God to account for the things that he's actually promised, you know, that he has control over, that he can do. So say, put an end to it. Or, I mean, you say this with sickness. Heal me. Like, really? I, I know we always like now to, uh, hmm, how do you want to put it? Condition it by saying, if it be your will. Right? If it be your will. Because it's just, it, it's like an escape clause for God, right? Just allow, well... 
okay, I don't know what your will is, so I'm just going to ask for this, but no, he, I mean, he goes about his earthly ministry healing all manner of sicknesses and diseases, all right? And we can hold him to account for that. Now, is he going to give you healing? No. If he doesn't give you healing, though, as I said in the sermon last week, or was it Wednesday? I think it was last week, Sunday. Um, if he doesn't give you healing, he's going to give you something better. That's from a church father, but like, well, what's better than healing? Resurrection of the body and life everlasting, you see? Yeah. So here, um, and then grant relief to all those who suffer and comfort all who mourn. All right? So we pray for all people. Sustain all medical personnel in their labors. Cause your people to serve you in righteousness and holiness. And we should pray for medical personnel. That's something that I don't think it comes up enough, probably in our prayer of the church, but maybe now is a good time for this. Um, I, I heard one statistic, and I, I get, there's so many statistics and so much information, it's hard to kind of assimilate all of it. And then it's really hard, I'm looking at John as an administrator of the school, it's really no, hard to know what is the right response. Um, to not be panicked, but also, but also to be appropriately cautious, right? Uh, and then have an appropriate response. But medical personnel, 38% of nurses have school-aged children. Right. And I don't know, I haven't heard this stat mentioned before, but we know this is true. Do we have any nurses, parents in our school? Yeah, we do. Um, so what happens is children, in this case, of this virus in particular, the children are a great transmitter, but they don't develop symptoms typically. Okay? But, they, but they have, they're wonderful at transmitting viruses, as, as, as we know. Okay? Uh, but in this case, because, because their immune response is actually not heightened like it is with somebody who's already sick, um, they just don't respond the same to the virus. It's just like normal, seasonal kind of thing to a child. Whereas as you get older, you, grow, you actually have heightened immunity, and you also have, um, and then if you're compromised in some way, your immune response is going to, it's basically going to overreact to the presence of this, presence of this virus. And, and on that, everybody I listened to and read was in agreement. So the problem is, is that if the children bring the, the virus home, and the virus then easily transmits to the parent, and it's not sure if it's by touch or aerosol. That's why the social distancing, they think maybe not even just from coughing and sneezing, but just from breathing. Uh, one person said that. Uh, I asked my father about it, but he hasn't responded yet, because that's what he did his PhD work on, was aerosol transmission of viruses. Anyway, um, But he's been sick, and so was, he was taking care of my nephew who's sick, so <laughs> he didn't respond. Other sickness, not this sickness. Um, but if, if children bring the disease home, they will, in, they will infect those people who we need to care for those who are sick. And, those, and their you know, mother or father who serves as a nurse or a doctor are more likely to, to develop symptoms. Right? And plus, we don't want them taking the virus as soon as possible, we want, or as, as slowly as possible, <laughs> we want this virus to be exposed to the world. And everybody will get it, probably 80% of the population will pick up the virus within the next 18 months. And that, we know that from these other, like common cold and other coronaviruses. It's, it's inevitable, that part. But, but the, the disease itself isn't. Um, so, pray for medical personnel, right? And pray that they be spared um, sickness, but also um, that they can apply skill in their labor. So I think that's helpful to remember to do. Right? And I typically do this when I visit people who are sick or going into surgery. You know, that we do that kind of work. All right, some readings. 
I mentioned that he went about healing diseases and infirmities. You can see that with Matthew, or excuse me, from Luke 4, um, Luke 4, 38 40 to 41. It's just kind of one of those summary statements. I guess I can jump there quick. Excuse me. Yeah. So uh, he rose, went to, left the synagogue, and entered Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever. Oh, that sounds familiar. And they appealed to him on her behalf, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. This is the Lord, and this is the Lord's, you know, for us, this is the Lord's word, right? We can actually rebuke the illness, as the Lord did, because the word we speak is his word, all right? And it left her, and immediately she arose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And then note, if you didn't already catch this coming, here it is in verse 41. Sorry, I lost my iPhone. And the demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. Now, um, <laughs> Is sickness the same as demonic possession? Because he treats them the same, doesn't he? He rebukes them and they come out, right? Didn't that how it sounded when you heard that fever leaving, leaving her? Like he tells it to go away. It's like it's impersonal. It's not a, it's a sickness. It's not like a spiritual demon. But, but this is the point that I made way at the beginning and I've repeated I think at least once in that um, and I'll say it in the sermon, actually, is that, that the devil uses affliction to draw you away from faith in Christ. So this fever, while the fever itself is not, uh, is not something that leads to unbelief, it, it can bring doubt and anxiety and worry. And, again, if, if your fear, love, and trust goes in a different direction, away from faith in Christ, to bring healing, but towards, say, science and the miracle of medicine, over and above Christ, if you put more fear, love, and trust in that, right? the medicine is God's tool to bring healing, but it's God's tool to bring healing. He's the one that you put your fear, hope, and trust in. Make sense? All right? And he rebukes a sickness just like he rebukes the demons because they actually have the same effect on you. They lead you away from faith. They can't. And they're a temptation. They're tempting you. Right? And this is really hard. I'm thinking about people who, who are suffering debilitating illness. Right? Um, sometimes <laughs> they confess a wonderful faith in Christ that like, I've never heard. It's like, how can you say such? I mean, like, this is the Lord's doing, um, but he's also my Savior, and I will die and be with the Lord. Like, okay. That's, I mean, that's got to be a Holy Spirit miracle faith thing happening there, right? Uh, on the other hand, though, I do encounter people who say, you know, has God, does God hate me? You know, has he forgotten me? Or has he done this to hurt and harm me and to bring about um, my despair? And in one sense, he has, in order that you would despair of yourself and the trust that you put in, in yourself or this world. Um, but on the other hand, he hasn't brought anything upon you to destroy your faith because he desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So he wants you to turn towards faith. I thought that was incredible, right? Is that sickness is like a demon to, to the Lord. and just rebukes it and says, see you laters. No, 
I won't see you again. <laughs> You're done. Sorry. All right. Um, anyway, okay, if you have a favorite book of the Bible, you could jump in. You know that Second Samuel 24? That's what was quoted in the, at the beginning. So maybe we should look at that. How are we doing on time? We're doing fine. Second Samuel 24, verse 15. All right. You want a little context, maybe. We can go back. This is famine and pestilence. Well, it even uses the word here in English. All right. This is all as a result of David. David arose in the morning. The word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and say to David, Thus says the Lord, Three things I offer you. Choose one of them, that I may do it to you. <laughs> so he lets David pick his affliction. That's, that's terrific. It's like, how about not door number one, door number two, or door number three? Right? <laughs> but here we go. So Gad came to David and told him and said, Shall three years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? By the way, three is not inadvertent here. Think of what the Lord suffered in three days. All right. Now consider and decide what, what answer I shall return to him who sent me. That is, to the Lord. And then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But let me not fall into the hand of man. All right, so he denied which one? The foes pursuing, right? Yeah. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel from the morning until the appointed time. So that, how long would that have been? Pestilence? Three days, right? And there died of, of the people from Dan to Beersheba, 70,000 men. Oh, that sounds really relevant, doesn't it? Yeah. And when the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who was working destruction among the people, it is enough, now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking the people and said, Behold, I have sinned and I have done wickedly. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. How far did I say to go? Oh, yeah. And Gad came that day to David and said to him, Go up, raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Aru and uh, the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word as the Lord commanded. And when Arunah looked down, he saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arunah went out and paid homage to the king with his face to the ground. And Arunah said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? David said to buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the lord that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Arunah said to David, Let the lord, my lord the king take and offer up what seems good to him. Here are the oxen for the burnt offering and the threshing sledges and yokes of oxen for the wood. All this, O king, Aruna give, gives to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. But the king said to Aruna, No, but I will buy it from you for a price. I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God that cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. And David there built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord responded to the plea for the land and the plague was averted from Israel. All right, so now one of the most controversial things that we're doing, and, pro and will continue to do, uh, if at all possible, 
is that we'll continue to gather as God's people and pray, you know. And especially, um, you know, if if situation gets more catastrophic or more severe, then we'll pray all the more. So we'll respond in kind. And you say, well, how can we do that? Um, well, we can also be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. So maybe it means we don't meet in here. Maybe we have to meet in our homes, you know. Um, maybe it means the pastor has to come to you, wherever you are, right? But that doesn't prevent us from doing so, right? And thankfully now we have this modern technology that's wonderful, you know. So there's ways of us to communicate and to give you prayers each day and to, and to pray with you um, using technology. Which is not at all the same as gathering together in person, by the way. And no substitute for it. All right? Now, um, there's a lot more things that we could talk about. One thing I did want to mention um, is that we heard on Wednesday, um, was it on Wednesday? If it, yeah, take this cup from me. We heard this on Wednesday and, and as Jesus prayed in Gethsemane in Mark's Gospel. If it be your will, you know, not if it be your will. That is what he said. I know all things are possible for you. Take this cup from me. That's how Mark says it. Again, that's how Jesus prays to the Father. Like, take this pestilence from me. Take this sickness from me. Take this illness from me. Um, but not as I will, but as you will. Then he does give an escape clause because Jesus himself knows that while, according to his humanity, he does not want to suffer and die. Who does? He wouldn't be true man if he wanted to suffer and die. Because that would be de denying his own humanity, right? The life that God had given. But on the other hand, as, as, as true God, as Son of God, um, he knows that it is the Father's will that he suffer and die for the sins of the people. And he equates it to um, drinking from a cup. All right? Uh, and that, that should strike us. I was listening to Pastor Bender down at Peace Sussex preach on this. Um, as we were driving home yesterday, and it, and it struck me too that I didn't say this on Wednesday, but I could have, is that Jesus, I did say that Jesus drinking from the cup, this is the Old Testament picture of him drinking the wrath of God, taking in the wrath of God, and he does. He takes it into his body. All suffering, pain, sickness, pestilence, famine, all of that is taken into Jesus, and he suffers it because it's all a consequence of our sin. Okay? So he drinks from a cup, and from that cup he takes all of our suffering and pain. But he puts back, I'm going to say this, this is artistic, but I think it's true. He puts back into the cup his forgiveness, life, and salvation. So he takes from us our sickness, suffering, and death, and puts into, and damnation, and puts into the cup forgiveness, life, and salvation. Which is why, even in the midst of calamity, even in the midst of pestilence, we receive the Lord's body and blood for our forgiveness. Because where there's forgiveness, there's life and salvation. Um, and this is the hardest thing that I've, I've read um, amongst any of the pastors, is do you offer Christ's body and blood on, you know, in the midst of a time like this? And the answer is, from the history of the Christian church, so, from the beginning, um, think of like John's apostle, John, one of John's disciples, I should say, Ignatius of Antioch, who lived from about AD 30 to about AD 90. So he was just a 20 years young, younger than John, maybe, okay? Um, so he was his apostle. Ignatius of Antioch, he's the one who originated the phrase that Christ, the blood in the chalice, Christ, Christ's blood, is the medicine of immortality, right? It gives eternal life. 
but it's a medicine. And so um, the Christian church, through all of our history, has visited the sick with Christ's body and blood in the time, in whatever calamity, whatever pestilence. That's what we do. Because with forgiveness comes life and salvation. Um, I, I think it's just because of our American context and kind of the history of our churches is that I rarely, rarely get a call from um, someone who's sick or going into surgery asking to receive Christ's body and blood or even for a visit, to even hear God's word. Right? I don't even find out they had surgery until after it's done. <laughs> and it's remarkable to me, the piety of, I mean, the lack of piety, really, but just like, why, why is this not the first thing in front of us? Even today, this day, this day is Sunday, is that today of all days, when we're in the midst of, of distress and anxiety, that we're not going to receive Christ's body and blood. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. Because it's actually going against God's word. Um, so, I mean, I don't know what the answer is to that, apart from this is what's in place for today. So this is what we're doing. Um, but I think we need to rethink that. And as we move forward, you know, depending, it does, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, right? Nobody does, right? But our response is not going to be to pull back from God's word, to pull back from the gifts the Lord gives, but rather to go further in and, and further up, if you like, to use Lewis's language, um, and to embrace it, actually, and say... You know, the way the hymn says it, no poison can be in this cup that the Father has sent me. That is the cup of, of Christ's forgiveness, not the cup of wrath. Um, I did give you some hymns to look at, and um, some of them, uh, any of them are you going to sing today? Ethan knows. Are we singing any of these today, or we have other ones that I didn't put on here? I don't think so. Which one? What? Jesus Price's Treasure is next week, yes. Um, I think one of them is actually assigned for this week on our prayer guide. What did I assign for our prayer guide this week? Anybody have their hymn or their service folder already? What's on the blue sheet on the back? Let's see, I didn't plan today. I planned today weeks ago. So. 823. Okay, that's not on there, but it's in that section. It's in prayer, right? In the section on prayer. Um, so some of these are new to you, some of them aren't, and uh, you'll see kind of the themes that are going on is one is prayer, one is like a mighty fortress is Psalm 130, which is also listed up above, right, with the Psalms. Um, others are talking about, you know, not loving this world and this life more than our loving Christ and the life that he gives. Um, others talk about peace in the midst of distress, be still my soul, right? before the Lord. And then, um, you know, there's an Easter hymn in there, so that's good. <laughs> Jesus lives, the victory's won. Uh, so, I mean, you have, you have a couple different ways of coming at it from the poetry of the church, from the hymnody of the church. Um, one other, oh, one other way, and we're going to do this today for our, during what would have been the gathering of our offering, but Don, I think we should have our ushers gather the offering before church, so... I'm going to grab the plates while I'm thinking about it. Maybe just two? Yeah. Okay. That way we don't have to hand to hand to hand. We don't want to offend people. Um, is to actually sing the way we sing in our offering hymn, which is, I am baptized into Christ. Which is actually the answer to any kind of suffering or affliction. You know, whether it's the torment of our own flesh, the sa Satan, this world, or even a disease, as you say, you cannot harm me. I've, my death has already been 
accomplished in Christ, and I'm, I'm going to receive eternal life. Right? So actually just spit it right back in, the, in its face and, and defy it. Not unreasonably, right? So if you're sick, you know, I'll come see you instead. All right, let's, let's close with prayer too. Let's pray one of the other collects. Uh, let's pray the last one together. All there? Okay. Almighty God, whose compassion never fails and who invites us to call upon you in prayer, hear the heartfelt confession of our sins and receive our humble supplication for your mercy. Spare us from the just punishment of sin which our Lord Jesus Christ has borne for us and enable us to serve you in holiness and purity of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We thank you for listening to this podcast from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church Sermon Center in Random Lake, Wisconsin. If this podcast is of benefit to you, please consider supporting the work of St. John by visiting stjohnrandomlake.org, that's stjohnrandomlake.org, slash support, and give today.